Hello and welcome to the Green Industry Podcast with Paul Jamison. This show is all about helping lawn care and landscape professionals take your business to the next level. Paul is the author of three best-selling books, including Cut That Grass and Make That Cash, and his brand new book, 101 Proven Ways to Increase Efficiency and Make More Money in Lawn Care. Now available on Audible and narrated by Mr. Producer. Here's your host, Paul Jamison. Take two. <laughs> Intro one will do it in the trash. Welcome to today's episode of the Green Industry Podcast. Back by popular demand, our special guest today is Dr. Frank Holloman. Welcome back, Dr. Frank. Hey, Paul. Good to be here. Always like talking with you on your show. Yes. And typically when you're around, we talk business, we talk marketing. But we had an interesting question come in from my friend Christian from CNI. He's up in the uh, Chicago area. And he was asking me about health and how to get in better shape, what kind of foods to be eating. And I learned a lot of this from you. You're helping me to get rid of my belly fat. And uh, you actually watch me throw foods in my trash like that. That ain't going to help me get rid of my belly fat. So I throw it away. But um, I want you to kind of introduce yourself and talk today, knowing that a lot of entrepreneurs are on the go in the truck and it can be very tempting to want to stop and get fast food all the time. But I I want you to kind of share with us how we can become more healthy um, for longevity and also for, you know, to get rid of our belly fat and to get into good shape and stuff like that. Okay, Paul. Uh, Well, you and I are are good friends. That's that's one thing about my background. And uh, my formal background of education is I have a PhD in physics, atomic and molecular. And uh, I've done many different things, have a very eclectic professional background. But um, I've been a business owner for over two decades. And so that's why you and I talk a lot about marketing because I uh, have done a lot of that just to stay in business. If you're a business owner, you're going to have to learn marketing or you're not going to survive. But more recently, when I became, um, seven years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer. I'm totally cancer-free now and have the numbers to prove it. And I'm very thankful for that. Thank God I'm cancer-free now. But that was a life-changing event for me. Uh, seven years ago. And uh, after surgery, uh, this and the surgery was very successful with no complications. And again, I'm very thankful for that. Thank God. But I um, refused the chemotherapy in my particular case because I j- just did not have a piece about it. And in the kind of uh, post-surgery treatment they wanted to give me, the success rate of the chemo was 30%. And I just didn't feel good about that. Uh, If for the past 50 years, the success rate for chemo for that type of cancer never improved above 30%. And I had to ask myself, and I'm getting to the answer to your question in a roundabout way, but I had to ask myself, would I go to Vegas and and gamble the, the farm on a game in, in in Las Vegas where it had a th- I had a 30% chance of winning? I don't think so. And my life was worth more than a farm. So um, I sought uh, alternative methods that were very scientific and, and were very credible. And uh, here I am today. But along the way, I had to learn a lot about health and wellness because I opted out of the standard of care 
uh, at that time. And what I came to learn was that uh, to reduce chances of another cancer episode, I needed to really understand a lot about nutrition, eating well, and how to exercise well. And the problem with that is if you go on the internet to do your own uh, due diligence, everybody's saying everything about how to eat right and how to exercise right, and they're all contradicting mm -hmm. each other. And so there, there needs to be a better way to, to approach this. And because of my research background, I knew that the best way to know that the lifestyle changes I was making in diet and exercise were the right ones is if you could measure if you could figure out what the right thing to measure was and you could um, have a way of measuring it. Mm -hmm. So I dug down, used my research background and found a way to do that by analyzing the gases in the breath and looking at oxygen utilization and carbon dioxide production in, in, the, in the breath. And um, I figured out a way to analyze the data and I came to learn that the choices that I was making were moving me into greater and greater health. And, I could, and I've been able to measure that, and now I offer that as, as a service at, at, um, at my clinic. Well, I, I don't have a clinic. I have a lab that's um, affiliated with, with a clinic. And, and so what I came to realize is that the most important thing to, for longevity and health and avoiding or re greatly reducing one's chances of acquiring age-related diseases, cancer is included with that, is to be very careful with how you eat, how you exercise. And the bottom line is eat in a way, if you want real prevention, eat consistently in a way where you're eating anti-inflammatory. And exercise in a way where you're improving your energy production at the cellular level. And so that's, that's what I came to learn um, through research and, and testing myself uh, scientifically how to do that. That's really good. I don't even know where to get started, Frank, with the... <laughs> I can just see Mr. Producer right now. Like, don't don't ask a dumb question, Paul. <laughs> you should be on Joe Rogan, man. Not the Green Industry Podcast, but uh. well, well, Paul, I love being on your show because it's a great show, and you have such a heart for the entrepreneur who's out there doing lawn care and landscaping, trying to really build a business and not only su support themselves and their family, but provide jobs in the community for people that, that want to work for a good company. And so all of those people need to know how to eat healthy mm -hmm. and, and do the right kinds of things to stay healthy. And, and so I think it's worth talking about oh, to it, everybody. It, it, it's, it's very fascinating. I think if you're listening, this, this is applicable. And if, if you don't think it's applicable to take care of your health, I don't know what to tell you, but let's start with the anti-inflammatory uh, uh, diet. Uh, explain a little bit more like, you know, in actual um, foods of, of what to eat and what not to eat and, and, and the effect on the body. Right. The, the main thing is that inflammation is really a harbinger for disease. And one of the systemic types of inflammation is is the kind that's pervasive throughout your whole body. 
And that is mainly due, well, infection or an injury can cause inflation, which is an immune response where the immune system comes in and does all the different things the immune system does to to attack the bad guys in the tissue and, and stimulate repair. I'm not talking about that kind of inflammation. I'm talking about the kind from not eating right. And when we... When we eat wrong, inflammation is throughout our whole body, day after day, year after year. So that's really the issue is eating or living the anti-inflammatory lifestyle. And one of the biggest factors in living the anti-inflammatory lifestyle is how you eat. In fact, really, the way that you eat on a regular basis is probably one of the biggest, if not, that is really the biggest factor in, in your long-term health. And a lot of people just really don't understand that inflammation is, is your enemy and how to eat in a way which would be the biggest cause of it so that you can greatly reduce that. So that's, that's what we, we need to talk about. Yeah. So can we start with breakfast, lunch, dinner? Can you give us some, you know, what, what should I eat for breakfast, you know, for lunch, for dinner, for snacks? What, make, make this so us simple folk can understand. Okay. The real, the real issue with inflammation, now that we've identified that as the enemy and the harbinger for disease long-term, is for age-related diseases long-term, is to keep your insulin levels low and steady in your blood. Now, insulin is produced by the pancreas, and it's a hormone that uh, controls your blood sugar. And when it begins, uh, when it goes up in your blood level, that causes the, um, the glucose that's in, in your blood from your food, breaking down your food, to go into storage. Uh, first, into the cells that need it as a fuel to produce energy, and then any that's left over to go into storage as fat. It gets converted into fat and goes into storage. So when we eat wrongly where our blood sugar is elevated and then we eat all the time and a lot a lot of people are constantly eating or maybe not constantly eating but every three hours they're eating something and they're keeping their blood sugar up from what they're eating and then what the response to that is the insulin goes up to to manage that and they keep an elevated insulin pretty much all the time, except when they're sleeping, when they can't eat because they're sleeping. So the key is, is to eat in a way, ultimately, that keeps your insulin levels low and steady in your blood, which means you're eating low glycemic food, which is um, low, low sugar content or eating things like carbohydrates that break down into sugar or glucose. So it's basically eating an anti-inflammatory diet is basically eating low carbohydrate and um, not eating as frequently because every time you eat, you're going to increase either higher or low a little bit or a lot, depending on what you're eating. You're going to elevate your glucose level in the blood, which then causes an insulin response for that to increase. And if you keep your insulin levels high most of the time by eating high glycemic and frequently, then you're going to run into insulin resistance where the cells stop listening 
to the hormone insulin to take in the fuel and it becomes resistant to that hormonal signal. That's insulin resistance. And that's the spectrum. You can get so bad at that that you're that your cells are so bad at being regulated by insulin that the pancreas has to pump out so much insulin that you're, you're diagnosed as diabetic. And you don't want to go down that path because then the, 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 the um, outfall of being a diabetic can be really bad if you don't manage it very carefully. So why not, even, why, why not avoid that even in the first place? So that's, that's the goal. That's the goal is to... Eat less frequently, and when you do eat, eat so that um, you're not getting that that insulin response. So that's uh, low glucose or low carbohydrate. Carbohydrates are um, there's three basic um, f- f- uh, food macro macronutrients from food, and that's proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. And uh, just reducing your calories, which is what usually everybody talks about with losing weight and getting rid of the fat, um, is, is not enough. What's, what's important is not only having a caloric um, restriction, calorie restriction with your eating, not eating as much as your, your body needs so that it'll take the rest of the fuel out of storage, which is fat, uh, but also it's... It's also what kinds of calories are you consuming? And so you want to minimize your carbohydrates. You got to have your proteins so that your body can repair. And the fats are your best fuel or the food that you can eat. Healthy fats will not harm you as long as your carbohydrates are low in your um, caloric input. But unhealthy fats are very dangerous, but you shouldn't be eating unhealthy fats anyway, like trans fatty acids or hydrogenated oils or partially hydrogenated oils, things like that that are, that are considered trans fats. But they have been made illegal anyway in the U.S., and they're, they're, I think food companies now are phasing that out. So healthy fats are good for you because they're the high-octane fuel, but they're not carbohydrates. They don't break down into sugar. And they, therefore, they don't elevate your blood glucose, which then in turn elevates your insulin, which in turn causes systemic inflammation. In fact, fats are more than double the energy density per gram compared to a gram of protein or, or a carbohydrate. It's the high octane fuel. It's the fuel that your, your cells crave, the high octane fuel. And so that's the basic idea. Now, that's not exactly how do you eat that way, but that's, that's the goal is to eat low carbohydrate and get most of your calories from very healthy fats. And if you're trying to lose weight, just do that in a way where you're calorie restricted so that you're not getting all the calories that your body needs. So it draws on your storage for the rest of it. That, that's, that's the key. I got quite a bit of storage in my belly area, so I'm trying to get rid of that storage. Well, here's the thing about that, Paul, is that any gym trainer will tell you that, like, if you want to get your abs to show, mm-hmm. which is getting rid of the belly fat, yeah, you've got to get your 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 fat percentage down really low, like around eight to ten, twelve percent, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. I'm twenty eight percent. I just took the body scan. Oh, you did. <clears throat> they had me hold like. Um, hold like this thing and it took all my my data 
Yeah, twenty eight percent body fat. Yeah, you need you need to lose some body fat. I, I already told you I did. <laughs> yeah, but any gym trainer, any gym trainer will tell you the way to get your abs to show is, yeah, you need to exercise. But abs showing abs begins in the kitchen. It has more to do with what you're eating and not eating mm-hmm. than it does the exercise, because those abs are there. You just can't see them. Mm-hmm. They're hiding behind the fat. Yeah. Yeah, so and I do a lot of planks and and, and crunches and, and all kind of various machines I got there for the abs, but I got storage. Right. <laughs> Too well, much storage. Well, let me ask you this. Um, if you want the abs to show and you want to get rid of the belly fat, you got to get the fat out of your body. And what I like to tell people when I talk about this is I like to ask of the question, how do you think... Uh, if you're doing all the right things, how does the fat come out of your body anyway to eliminate it? Have any thoughts on that, Paul? In the toilet? No, well, that's what a lot of people say. They say you you might you you poop it out, or you pee it out, or you sweat it out, and none of those answers is correct. What you do is you breathe it out, and this is how you do it. The fat is burned as a fuel inside your cell, inside an organelle, that's your energy factory in the cell called the mitochondria. And your cells, because they do everything with the result of energy fueling that or making that available, they have most cells, hundreds of mitochondria per cell. High energy organs like the brain and the and the heart muscle have thousands, several thousand of mitochondria. These are the energy factories. And I think there are some cells that have just tens, but most of them have hundreds of them. The only cells in your body that don't have these energy factories called mitochondria are your red blood corpuscles. And that's where fuel is taken in and oxidized, just like or very similar to gasoline in a carburetor of a car. What happens in... Um, when you, when you run your car engine and you're driving down the road, as gasoline is inputted into the carburetor combined with oxygen ignited, and um, some of that energy that's produced is used to turn the crankshaft, which then eventually turns the wheels of the vehicle. Uh, what's interesting is that in a car, it's not that efficient. The energy that goes into propelling the vehicle is something like uh, 15 to 20% efficient. The rest of it is wasted heat energy, and that's why the car engine gets hot. That's wasted heat energy. That's energy, but it's in the form of thermal energy, and it's not useful to propelling the vehicle. The mitochondria works the same way. You have a fuel that comes in to this little energy factory called the mitochondria, and the fuel is a hydrocarbon molecule Now, gasoline and diesel fuel is a a very large hydrocarbon molecule, but carbohydrates and uh, and fats is a hydrocarbon molecule too. It's different, but it's a hydrocarbon molecule. And in the mitochondria, in the inner membrane of that mitochondria, that molecule is combined with an oxygen molecule and a transformation occurs where energy is produced, the energy molecule is produced, called ATP. You might remember that from high school biology class. And um, there's a bunch of other things that go on. Uh, the technical name for that is cellular respiration or, um, uh, well, they'll just call it cellular respiration. And um, 
and there's a lot of wasted heat energy. Now, the mitochondria is more efficient than a car engine, so it's it's like about 40% efficient where the energy in that that chemical reaction called oxidative phosphorylation or cellular respiration, um, that 40% of that energy goes into the energy for the cell. Uh, so that that's, that's what, why you eat, to produce that energy. And the other 60% is wasted heat energy, and that's why you have a temperature of 98.6 degrees, 98 degrees Fahrenheit, is that's the wasted heat energy of all the energy factory organelles in all your cells. Now, we have um, 200 to 300 trillion cells in our body, and most of those cells have a, a hundreds of mitochondria. So we're talking about a lot of mitochondria. And, and if you think about it, uh, if you do the math, I've done the math, the, uh, the number of oxidative phosphorylation events are producing that energy molecule events in your body is occurring about 100 million times a second, 24 by 7. And that's, that's why you eat to make that process go. And how important is that process? Well, you know, eating is important. You can, but you can live about, um, you can live about uh, more than 30 days without eating before you're really in trouble. You can go without water and water's important, drinking water. You can go probably more than a week, probably maybe up to 10 days. But this, this energy production thing, which requires oxygen, how long can you live by holding your breath, Paul? Not long. Yeah, no more than about five minutes and you're dead. So it's, it's a more critical process than anything else. And, and that's the process for burning fat is this energy production thing, I, mechanism I just described, where the fuel molecule either carbohydrate molecule. It's not really carbohydrate. It's not really glucose. It's broken down even further, but it's derived from those kinds of foods, mm -hmm. those micronutrients. So we'll call it carbohydrate. To burn energy, to fuel, to run your body, you are, you are either um, oxidizing carbohydrate or fat. And if you want to get rid of the fat in your body, you're going to have to burn that fat, oxidize the fat in your mitochondria within all your 200 to 300 trillion cells. And when they do that, the byproducts are just like in a car engine. You burn a gasoline molecule or a diesel fuel molecule with oxygen molecule. You'll get heat energy mostly. You'll get some energy that turns the crankshaft. It does real work. And you get some byproducts of that combustion or that chemical reaction coming out of the tailpipe of the vehicle, uh, usually nitric oxides and carbon monoxide and carbon dioxide and so on and so forth. The same is true in the mitochondria. Are you in the market for a new high-performance mower? Look no further than the Kubota Z200. This mower combines quality, comfort, and ease of use all in one package. And now select models come with the new K-Ride comfort system for optimized comfort. Experience the elevated zero-turn performance with the three-point system and choose from cutting decks ranging from 42 to 54 inches. Plus, the Kubota Z200 comes with Kawasaki engines. Don't wait to experience the difference for yourself. Visit KubotaUSA.com for more information and to find your local Kubota dealer.
How does Echo make outdoor-grade outdoor power equipment? We start outside in the heat, the cold, the rain. We give it hell, test it, best it, retest it. We make it tougher, more powerful, more reliable, more Echo. 200-plus tools forged by the elements. Built for pros, tough pros, outdoor-grade pros. We make it gas-powered, battery-powered, professionally-powered. Then we get back outside. We get back to work. That's Echo, and that's outdoor-grade. Echo. Power on and on. Do you spend too much time worrying about the safety and security of your vehicles and machines? Are you tired of the hassle of building schedules and routes for your crews? Well, GPS Track It is here to help. They understand that keeping your assets safe and managing your crews efficiently are crucial tasks, but they don't have to be your job. Let GPS Track It take some of the mental load off with their cutting-edge tools, including real-time asset tracking, optimized routing, efficiency reports, and more. With GPS Track It, you can focus on your real job, building your business. So why wait? Visit gpstrackit.com slash Paul to get started and experience peace of mind like never before. You wouldn't drive a car without suspension, so why would you mow without it? With racing-inspired, patented full suspension and integrated cutting decks, Ferris commercial mowers are engineered to deliver a quality cut faster, allowing professional landscapers to earn more profit and bragging rights. Ferris suspension is not just a feature or a marketing gimmick, it is a game changer that simply has to be experienced. True suspension changes everything. Visit ferrismowers.com today to find your nearest dealer. Ferris, experience suspension. The byproducts of that chemical reaction is um, carbon dioxide and water. What is carbon dioxide? It's just another carbon molecule. You're basically taking the fuel molecule of carbohydrate or fat and you're breaking that molecule down by combining it with oxygen to form carbon dioxide and water. And just like the tailpipe on a car, it comes out of your body through your exhale, through your breath. There's carbon dioxide in that breath, exhale, and there's even water. And you know there's water in there because you can fog a mirror. And so those are the byproducts of this energy production. That's how you get rid of the fat molecule or the fat is you oxidize it in your cell and the byproducts of it come out your mouth in the exhale of your breath. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. So if you do the calculation for one pound of fat to come out of your body through your breath, exhale, you need to have enough carbon dioxide come out of your body that will fill at regular pressure uh, a box by a couple of feet square. And you have to have enough water come out of your body, which is about, through your breath, about a third cup of water. And that, that is how, that's how you lose the fat. Now, how do you accomplish that? There's a problem with that. Because just because you're breathing and you're combining oxygen with the fuel or the food that you're eating doesn't necessarily mean you're burning fat. You got to burn the fat. And the cells prefer burning carbohydrate first. That's what they're used to because of the way the modern diet is. It's very high in carbohydrate and that turns into glucose. And so the cells are very efficient at burning that fuel. 
they're efficient because they store a lot of enzymes in storage to facilitate that and not so much the fat because they're not efficient in burning fat, although they can burn fat. So this is what happens, Paul, if you want to lose the belly fat. And I know I mentioned a few scientific terms, but I feel that I'm explaining the process and really understanding this process is critical if you really want to lose weight and lose the belly fat. What happens is you go on a diet where you're doing calorie restriction. That means you're not eating as much as the body wants. Uh, you're eating, you're staying healthy, but you're, you're cutting down where you're still hungry. Or you're, and you might do that by just eating one meal a day or, or one meal and, and a snack. You know, you're eating less and you're eating less portion when you are eating. And so the cells of the body start screaming for, for fuel. They need energy to do all the things that they do. And so they scream to the brain and the, communicate with the brain and say, tell them to eat. We need fuel. Tell them to feel hungry and tell them to eat. And by the way, give him a carve craving brain so that um, he will desire carbs because we want carbs. That's what we're most efficient at burning. And so the brain says to the cells, so to speak, and there's scientific ways that they communicate. I'm just giving the colloquial version of this. The brain says, well, I know everything going on here. I'm the brain. And he's on a diet right now. He's not eating as much as he used to. He's eating less than he needs even. So uh, we're not, we're not going to get that. He's not going to eat as much. And he, he heard about this anti-inflammatory diet, so he's eating less carbohydrates too. So you're not going to get it. So the cells say, well, what do we do? And the brain says, easy. Just take the difference that you need in carbohydrate out of carbohydrate storage and make up the difference. And the carbohydrate storage is your glucose storage in your muscles and your liver. It's called glycogen. It's basically a, a, a glucose molecule with water molecules attached to it, three or four. And so, and so the brain says, just take the glucose that you're craving, the extra that you want, you need, take it out of storage. Now, you're really not going to get the glucose out of the muscles unless you, you do um, a strenuous exercise kind of thing. But you can liberate that glucose storage, the glycogen, out of the liver. But the way God made the body is that we have a very limited amount of glucose storage or glycogen stores. In fact, you can completely deplete your glycogen stores by just not eating anything and fasting for about two and a half days, three days. Or you can eat uh, calorie restricted with low um, carbohydrate and you'll get there, if you do it right, in a week or two. And, and so that's what the body does. Now, we haven't even reached the point where we can take fat out of storage and burn it. We're just trying to deplete our glucose storage first. This is part of the answer to your question. So you do calorie restriction, the cells are screaming for glucose, the brain says, all right, you're not getting enough the way he's eating now, and he's going to eat this way for the next several months, so you better get it out of storage. And then those glycogen stores are, are emptied out within a couple of days or a week or two, depending on how you're eating with your low carbohydrate and your caloric uh, restriction. 
then the cells are screaming for more fuel and they're saying, okay, uh, we, we need more fuel. And the brain says, well, I see you depleted the glucose storage. I see that he's not eating enough for you to get all the glucose from what he's eating because he's on the low carbohydrate diet. Um, you, you're going to have to do something else now. Um, you're just not going to get the glucose by the way he's eating and no more in storage. So you're going to have to switch over to burning fat. And so the cells say, yeah, but he's still not eating as much as he used to. He's not eating as much as we need. He's eating mostly fat, but we need even more fat than that. So then the brain says, not a problem. Make up the difference by taking the fat out of fat storage. And that is only at that point are you taking fat out of storage and getting it ready to burn so it comes out of your body through your exhale and your breath. Until you go through that sequence, you're not going to lose belly fat. Wow. Does that make sense to you, Paul? It does. So there, there's, a, there's a method to it. And, and then you stay on that diet and, and you don't go out and eat a high carb meal or a bowl of ice cream to fill up your glucose storage again, your glycogen stores. Um, you'll burn some of that, but you can't burn it all. So the rest of it goes into glucose storage called glycogen and you're back to square one again. So you want to take this as a lifestyle. And uh, that's, that's how, that's how you, you lose the belly fat. And uh, most people don't really understand that, but that's, that's really the process. It's not just a simple matter of just eating what you're currently eating, just eat less of it. That's not going to cut it. It depends on not only reducing your caloric input, the calories inputted by the amount of food that you're eating, but also the kinds of calories that you're eating. So that's, that's really the simple answer. Yes, very simple, Frank. <laughs> Excellent. Now, back to my original question. What do I, I want to go on this journey of getting rid of my belly fat. Yeah. We can talk about fasting later because you did mention that kind of expedites the process, water fasting. But what should I be eating for breakfast, lunch, dinner? Give me real foods, a fifth grader to understand what you're saying, Dr. Frank. Okay. Me. So, what, so what we're talking about is uh, reducing your caloric input. And that could be calculated. It's different for everybody. Uh, there's ways to calculate that. I do that all the time in my office with, with people. And, uh, and then what makes up those calories should be the lowest percentage should be carbohydrates. And in fact, they should be, um, really your only carbohydrates that you should be getting are the kinds of carbohydrates that aren't fun at all. Carbohydrates are the most fun things to eat. Cakes and cookies and pies and puddings. Those are fun. Pizza. Yeah. Well, those are not the kind of carbs you should be eating. You should be eating the kind that aren't fun, which is really get your carbohydrates only from your leafy green vegetables and your non-starchy vegetables, where um, potatoes and um, uh, potatoes are like starchy vegetables. So uh, vegetables that don't take you as far as, as, as potatoes. And, um, and so that's going to be things like all the vegetables your mother told you to eat as a kid that you didn't like eating. But what you'll find is as you become an adult, you start to eat more vegetables and you like them and you're not like you used to be when you were a little kid. Now, there's always going to be some vegetables and somebody doesn't eat. 
But for the most part, usually adults start eating vegetables. So you eat your vegetables. You got to get your proteins because the proteins are used to repair your cells and your body. And um, that would be the next higher percentage is your proteins. You'll get sick if you don't eat enough protein for repair. And eat, eat healthy there. You, you want to, uh, if you can, eat organically where you're not having um, pesticides on the vegetables that you're eating and you're not eating um, the hormones and antibiotics that come in, in, the meat, in the animal proteins. And the reason for that is the hormones, they usually give a cow or chicken uh, to just before they slaughter it is ones that make them grow. And those are the same things that'll make you fat. So you want to eat your animal proteins that don't have hormones in it or antibiotics. That's called organic. You want to make sure you eat your vegetables that are grown organically without pesticides. Why? Because the main ingredient in most pesticides put on crops is um, estrogen-based, and that's a storage hormone as well. And you, you're not trying to store fat, you're trying to burn fat. So um, that's, that's how you get your proteins. And then your fats mainly come from uh, your oils. Uh, now, you're going you're gonna to get some fats from selected dairy, any kind of dairy that doesn't have much milk sugar in it or lactose. That would be your aged cheeses, which are, or your hard cheeses like uh, cheddar and Parmesan and Swiss cheese. They have fermented out all of the, um, the, the milk sugar or almost all of it. And you can have heavy whipping cream, not half and half in your coffee, but heavy whipping cream because that's just pure dairy fat. And um, you can cook with oils uh, that are uh, low. Uh, well, with the oils, you want to get fats, but healthy fats. So you want to avoid the fats that are inflammatory. Remember that inflammation thing we talked about yeah. earlier? And those are the oils that uh, have the wrong balance of what's called omega-6s to omega-3 uh, fatty acids. And so those oils that are safe would be uh, coconut oil and olive oil, which you can, you can cook with that. What about extra virgin olive oil? Yeah, that's, that's even better. That's a higher quality. The, get the most expensive uh, olive oil you can afford in terms of quality. Um, and um, so that's coconut oil and olive oil. Avocado oil is also good. You can cook with that as well. In fact, you can fry a turkey in avocado oil because it has a high smoke point. And um, that would also be butter, uh, organic butter. Uh, that's, that's also, you can cook with that. And th those are your, those are your healthy fats. So in the morning when I'm, we'll start with breakfast, Frank, cause you still haven't answered my question. I've asked you twice. You start speaking Spanish to me here. So, so for breakfast, I'm going to use extra virgin olive oil yeah. in, in my pan. And can I make some eggs with some onions? Yes, those are uh, onions um, are a little higher, higher carb than most non-starchy vegetables, but they're still good. So you're getting your eggs with your protein. You're putting the onions in there for flavor. And, and, you, and see, one thing I didn't mention is um, one thing you want to eliminate or greatly reduce is fruit. Okay. Fruit's got lots of vitamins and minerals. 
but it's a high glycemic way to get those vitamins and minerals. You can get the same vitamins and minerals from your vegetables without all the glucose, without all the sugar. So that's why the vegetables are important to get your vitamins and minerals. Your, your proteins come from primarily animal protein like eggs and, and organic meats. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get plant plant-based proteins uh, in a powder that you could scoop out from the health food store and you could put that in, in your, your shake. Uh, and that's the source of protein. And then you get your fats. So that means no, the carbs you're eliminating for your meals are uh, your fruits, anything with added sugar. Um, you're eliminating all grains. And and that inc- and and corn is a grain as well. So that's all wheat products and pastas and things like that, and anything with sugar. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to eliminate any anything that naturally has a lot of sugar in it, or anything that has added sugar in it. And a lot of products you buy in the grocery store have a lot of added sugar in it, so that people will keep buying it and get addicted to it, and you want to avoid things that even with even in addition to the sugar, it causes inflammation. And that's pretty much all your processed foods. And what is a processed food? It's something that is natural in the environment and then they do stuff to it to break it down or add to it. And that's pretty much anything you buy in a grocery store that's in a bag or a box. What mm-hmm. you want to do is eat real food like our great-grandparents did 150 years ago on the farm. Mm-hmm. They ate real food, things that were grown out of the ground and uh, animal proteins and things like that. And, they, and desserts and things were very rare. They were a real uh, treat in, in that lifestyle. That's the way you should eat. So you, you want to avoid the inflammatory oils, the processed foods, and the inflammatory oils are the oils I didn't mention, which are basically seed oils that are oils that come from the seed of some kind of a plant. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's inflammatory. Any kind of processed food that's in a bag or a box, it means it's highly processed. It's not how it was grown out of the, on the farm. It was manipulated in a factory and then chopped up and put in a bag or a box and mm-hmm. then put a fancy label on it and they sell it in the grocery store. That's pretty much everything that's on the inner aisles of a grocery store. Mm-hmm. I mean, 90% of what they sell in a grocery store is in a bag or a box. Mm-hmm. It's processed food and it's not good for you. And then they even put the preservatives in it. And they're usually chemicals that you can't even pronounce. And you know that's not good for you. Mm-hmm. So... So that's that's basically it. Okay. So back to back to my issue here. We got storage. Yeah. In my belly, fat in my belly. I got abs hiding behind my storage. I want my abs to be visible in my storage. You got to burn that fat, Paul. Okay. So for breakfast, I can make and I get those free-range organic eggs. Yeah. I want to put some extra virgin olive oil in the pan. Yeah, to cook it. And it's okay to do one onion. Yeah, one yeah, onion. Do onions to taste. Now, can I do add a, add some Parmesan cheese or Swiss cheese? Yeah, hard cheeses are good. So Parmesan or Swiss cheese. Yeah, and, and that's a good breakfast because I, I I I can make that pretty much every morning. Right. But no no more bread with my omelet. 
No more bread. That's a okay. grain. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. no, so no more of that. That's high carb. Um, and I got to get some extra virgin olive oil because right now I've been using this grapeseed thing. I got it all these. So, um, okay. So now can we move on to lunch? Yeah. And let me just say one thing about bread. One slice of white bread, mm-hmm. which people use for their making sandwiches, that's high. That's higher. Uh, that turns into blood sugar more readily than a bowl of ice cream. Mm. A lot of people don't realize that. That's that's a carbohydrate that breaks down into glucose, and it, it gets put into the bloodstream as glucose even easier and more readily than a bowl of ice cream. Yikes! Ooh. So this this carb stuff is for real. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to lunch. Okay. And we can kind of do lunch and dinner together. So, um, what you would do there. And I it, like, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Is, uh, you can make an omelet where you, it can have more eggs and put your vegetables in the eggs mm-hmm. and there you got it, your proteins and your vegetables, or you can have a meat portion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, you want to have to fill yourself up, have a smaller meat portion perhaps than you're used to. Um, a good ballpark is like around four ounces of, of beef or, or maybe six ounces of chicken. I can eat a lot more than that. And, and, and so you, you make smaller portions, but you make up the difference with three or four times that volume on your plate with your vegetables. Mm-hmm. And that's how you do lunch and dinner. Or you eat salads where you're getting your leafy greens and you put some animal protein on that, like... Um, maybe chopped up um, steak chunks or a salmon mm-hmm. on it or chicken. You get your protein on, on a salad. And uh, that, those, are, those are really good meals. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, this has been very helpful, Dr. Frank. I know you could just keep going and going. If somebody wants to come to your lab or, or learn more about how you can help them kind of customize a plan for their health journey, how, how do they get in touch with you? Well, I can, I can do it over the internet. Okay. Uh, get on Zoom and work directly with the client, and I just need to get um, their their age and weight and some of the biometrics like that and height, mm-hmm. and then I can I can calculate what the right uh, percentages of the macronutrients are and give them a good diet plan and and all the information about the foods to avoid and the ones that they could eat. And I don't really care how they do the foods that they could eat, whether they use recipe books or they don't. They just say, well, I'll take a little of this and a little of that. As long as they're sticking to the things they're allowed to eat, Mm -hmm. I don't care how they do it. And they don't go over their calorie limit. Mm -hmm. They'll lose weight and they'll get healthier. So um, my website is hollamanbiophysics.com. That's H-O-L-L-E as an echo, M-A-N, biophysics.com. Thank you, Dr. Frank. Well, I really appreciate it. And you've been very helpful for me. And let's get rid of this belly fat. Get my, get my abs making an appearance by summer. And maybe I'll get a wife, too. <laughs> yeah, you got to look good for that. Yeah. Now, uh, maybe some other time we could talk about the exercise part of the equation. Yeah, let's do part two. Um, we'll get Dr. Frank back on and we'll, we'll definitely, I want to pick your brain about that that part first. But the apps are made in the kitchen. So step one, nutrition. Step two, I'll have Dr. Frank back on for exercise. Okay, thanks, Paul. Thanks, Dr. Frank. The Know Your Numbers training program is the shortcut to financial freedom that I wish I had. You see, success requires more than us just working in our business. We must learn how to work on our business. And in the Know Your Numbers training program, 
you'll learn how to stop burning cash so you can learn to make all your services truly profitable. You can bid with total confidence that each job you sell mean more profit in your pocket as you build long-term wealth. Because we're going to teach you how to start paying yourself as the owner of the business the right way. You can grow a healthy business as we identify and track your cash flow for continuing success so you can stop losing sleep over financial details as you gain the skills to delegate the tough number crunching activities as a lawn care business owner and never chase those unpaid invoices again we'll teach you how to streamline your billing into a hands-free process so we will cover all of this and so much more as john Pajak and i are the teachers in this e-training program it's called know your numbers it's available at our resource center at the green industry podcast.com Hey, it's Marty, producer of the Green Industry Podcast. This episode is over, but check the episode notes for links to products and services that you heard about during the episode. And thanks for listening.